everybody. Welcome to another season preview, our first season preview of the new year. First time we have Russ back as well. Today we have the MPL uh, preview. We can just say MPL because uh, MPL2 is now called CPL. So we'll try and get used to that. The MPL preview for this season, episode 44 as well, I believe. Michael, first of all, how's it going today? And uh, it's good to be back, isn't it? Yeah, it's good to be back. Third season. Um, fingers crossed we can get through a whole season this time around. It's a it, third time's a charm, as they say. So um, yeah. hopefully all smooth sailing. But no, very happy to be back and talking with you gentlemen about Canberra football. So very excited. Russ, glad to have you back. How's it going, man? Yeah, great to be back, actually. And uh, like you say, I'm hoping that it's not curtailed again this year. It's been quite frustrating, hasn't it, the last couple of seasons. So it's good to be back on deck and and talking about MPL, and I'm probably still going to call it MPL too. <laughs> Much like when West Canberra Wanderers changed their name and just called them Woden for ages <laughs> until we got yeah, it on board. So, well, you know, it'll take some getting into. It's been hard to say uh, Liberty Women's A League, to be honest, as well, <laughs> after spending 10 years calling it the W League also. so But great to be back as usual, and you guys doing a great job again, and 44 not out. Edging yeah. closer to the half century. Well, technically, yeah. we should be a lot more when you think about it. And and technically, we've only really done one full season when you add it up. I think I was saying that to was it Mitch Stevens or someone, whoever I was doing my pre yeah. one of my preseason interviews with. I said we've only really done one full season when you think about it. Add twenty twenty and this one together, you know, yeah. about that. And you've done about fifteen hundred separate interviews though. Do you count oh, them as part of forty four? <laughs> no, 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 that's separate. That's separate. Yeah. That's separate. That's separate. That's <laughs> separate. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's it. Um, so. Let's uh, before we get straight into it, Russ. You t- you mentioned the uh, Liberty A League Women's. Um, women, yeah. Sorry, Liberty Women's A League. You've been doing <laughs> some sideline reporting. Yeah, how's that been going for you? Yeah, I've really enjoyed it. Um, I'm very lucky that one of the producers I know from back in the day gave me the opportunity to do some sideline stuff, and um, they're pretty happy. The first one I did up at Combank Stadium, which was a bit nerve wracking. Um, in the middle of Combank Stadium, they asked me to do a walkout uh, halftime. Obviously, I was the only one on the middle of the field, which was a bit weird. Um, but talking to a camera, which was way, way, way away and just making something up as I went along. And they were so pleased with it. They've given me a lot. Um, been very lucky. I've done Sydney and matches and lots in Wollongong. And this weekend, they've given me the um, Sydney versus Adelaide 1v2 up in Sydney as well. So that'll be my last one for the season. But it's been a really good experience. It's a bit different on the sideline than being behind the microphone, thinking of questions and stuff when you're watching it but in the end of the day it's all football and it's uh it's good fun to be involved isn't it and um that's why we do it but yeah it's been really good fun um disappointing season for canberra of course and finished strongly but started off quite woefully uh hopefully there's some change there next season in terms of performances because we want to see them make the finals but yeah it's been a good season all around we certainly do and before we move on as well let's chat a little bit about the uh the charity shield for the men's and the women's um Russ was at both games. Michael, I'll start with you. What did you think of the men's charity shield? Because I know you were, well, you were there for at least a half. Oh, I was there for the full game. Oh, the whole game. I, I thought you said for... you were going to leave because you're like, oh, where's the link? And I thought, oh, is he going to go home? Half-time? Oh, no, 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 no. I was just asking for the link because my, my little brother wanted to watch one of the, um, I think it was, it was that sitter at the end of the first half. He wanted to watch that back on replay. He was just asking me where the, where the link was and, um, yeah, I just didn't have my Facebook open. So that's why I just messaged you. And I was just like, do you mind sending it to me quickly? Because you wanted to watch it back. So, um, yeah, no, I managed to make it out there, even though it was, uh, the, the weather wasn't sort of great at the, at the very beginning. I sort of, I sort of had sat myself sort of underneath the, uh, 
the the over over cover, but um, the rain was still getting on me, so I managed to scoop back up maybe four or five rows as well, um, just to avoid the rain. But in terms of the actual game, I think uh, it wasn't what I was expecting at all. Obviously, I, I think that's sort of safe to say. I didn't expect it to be so so lopsided for for Monero in in that match. I thought it would be a lot closer given the two uh, quality teams that were. Um, that, that, that they are, sorry. But uh, I was just so impressed with how Monero were able to play from sort of minute one to minute 90. I mean, maybe to begin with, the first five, 10 minutes were a little bit cagey, just both teams trying to get on the ball, make things happen. But Monero really just took over. As soon as they sort of scored those first, the first and second goal, that's when they really started to take control. And I mean seeing some new faces in that team as well have really sort of translated well into Frank's playing style. And I think that was their biggest positive is seeing those new guys come in and, and, and play so well and really project a real balance that they have uh, in that team. Cause they were, they were phenomenal. And I mean, Tigers just couldn't, they couldn't stop them and they played some excellent football uh, throughout the whole game. I thought their midfield was, was fantastic as well just keeping things moving uh controlling the game at a really good tempo so i, I was really impressed with uh monero very a little disappointed with tigers because it's not what i was expecting and we know what quality team they are but i mean it's just it's the charity shield you're it's it's in that stage where you know you're, you're still sort of in pre-season and you're still waiting you know for players to possibly come back from injury and uh, things and whatnot so while there's maybe not a whole lot to take out of it, there's a lot of it. There's a lot of positives to take out of it for Monero because they were fantastic, and I think that was their first title in, I think, twenty odd years or, or or whatever it was. So congrats to them. They they fully deserved it. I thought they were excellent. Ross, what did you think about the match? Of course, you were uh, behind the mic with Andy Bernal. Yeah, obviously, I picked a seven-one Monero win because you know I know everything there is to know about local football. <laughs> now, look, I mean, I think it was it, the scoreline was incredible, wasn't it? I mean, I think a lot of us beforehand thought, having watched Tigers in pre-season, that Monero might beat them because they moved the ball very quickly. But to win by the scale that they did um, sets a real statement of intent for them in terms of their push for the league title this year. Uh, Michael's mentioned. Uh, the way they played. And we mentioned it last year on a few um, podcasts where we talked about how good they were when they moved the ball sharply and they moved it one yeah. and two touch. And we saw glimpses of it last year, but perhaps the personnel wasn't the right personnel to, to enable that to happen to the full extent that we saw on the weekend, which um, the introduction of, of Andre Carl at number nine, I mean, he was phenomenal and probably missed um, the easiest chance that he had in the evening and scored three great goals. The third one, uh, just a world-class finish um, at any level. And Ben Bassasilk was superb in midfield. I think the addition of Zach McLaren, um, who's come from nowhere, really, from Wollongong, um, to fit into that team has really freed up Ben Bassasilk. And you look at the people that weren't there as well. He's got to bring back in. There's some good quality in that side, some real selection headaches coming up for Frank and his team. Um, but, you know, they're going to be hunted now. People are going to look at that and go, well, that's a side that should be pushing for the title. For the Tigers, um, as you mentioned, pretty disappointing from them. Uh, big gaps between... Back, back four and, and the front wasn't there. The midfield was almost yep. non-existent despite the boys in there working really hard. I thought Rocco Stricker worked his socks off as he always does, running around trying to get involved. And uh, again, they were missing players as well. Let's be honest, Nick Popovich wasn't there, Danny Fabrizio as well. Uh, so they were missing a few. You take what you take from preseason. I don't think it's a death knell for 
the Tigers yeah. at all. Um, if anything else, Canberra Olympic will probably who face them next in the FFA Cup or the Australia Cup. So that's another thing. <laughs> They're probably looking at that now going, oh, thanks very much, uh, Monero. I mean, I'm sure Robbie texted it to Frank then. Cheers. We'll expect the backlash. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it was uh, the performance for Monero is excellent. And uh, I think it, it suits its purpose, doesn't it? The, ch- the pre-season then. Ryan Grogan, no doubt, will watch the video back, even though it'll be a bit of a video nasty for him, and he'll make some changes. Whether he's got the personnel to do that, I'm not sure, uh, defensively, um, because that's where their issues were, but weren't so sure about them last year, and look what happened. So let's see what goes on there, and I'm sure they'll bounce back. Yeah, I wouldn't write off Tigers so far yet, but it was a very impressive performance uh, from Monaro. Uh, and quickly before we move into it, uh, the Charity Shield you were uh, for the women's. You were also there with uh, Jeremy McGann behind the mic. What did you think of that? It was a, a emphatic uh, display from Canberra Croatia. It was a strange one, wasn't it? Because they scored twice in the first ten minutes and then three in the last four minutes. So it really gave the scoreline a bit of a gloss that perhaps it didn't deserve on West Canberra Wanderers, who I thought battled really hard and they've got some really good talent in that team. Um, I hadn't seen a lot of them before. Ginger Oliver in midfield, Joanna Biddle up front. The the pace that they play the game with is going to cause issues for some teams in that competition. Uh, Canberra Croatia, Canberra Croatia, aren't they? They've got able to have Brittany Pullen be on the bench and still score six goals and she comes on and gets one herself. Um, good to see Bella Barach back after two seasons of bad injury and see her back on the field as well. And I think for Zoran Grabenich, I think we expected Croatia to win again. I think the scoreline was very harsh on the Wanderers, but a good performance, um, even though we had a bit of uh, a delay in the second half when the rain decided to come sheeting down and there was a bit of lightning but charity shield's a charity shield and i just want to say very much a big thank you to gavin and chelsea van Ziel at white rhino property for sponsoring the broadcast of that match as well without them uh, putting up the funds to show that on bar tv uh, we wouldn't have been able to see it and of course the the uh, group from bar tv and the camera crew for their usual quality production indeed i echo all those thoughts as well and before we get into it, we would like to welcome our first ever and new sponsor to the show. We here at Eminem Podcasts are very proud to talk to you about our very first sponsor called Line Market, a new local business emerging in the sport and technology arena. That's right, Michael. Line Market is a new business operating the ACT and surrounding regions, and their product delivers accurate line markings for all sports and special functions using the latest technology. That's right, Matt. And this includes all sports that we either take part in or have watched on TV at some point. And this ranges from football, rugby league, rugby union, hockey, Aussie rules, gridiron, baseball, softball, athletic tracks of any size and associated disciplines and more. Yeah, look, that sounds like it covers a lot of ground, Michael. And playing right now are the images and videos of this machine at work. And by God, it's a beauty. If you're interested in these services or know someone that would be, do not hesitate to contact the business owner of this fantastic new initiative, Ken Yalg, through his email, linemarket at tpg.com.au or his work mobile, 0493-241-646. Contact details and social media pages will be available to access at our Facebook page, Eminem Podcast. But if you are watching this on Facebook, it will be attached to the post. That's absolutely right, Matt. And you know better than anyone else here at Eminem Podcasts, we believe this business is fantastic for local Canberra sport and surrounding regions, whilst it couples its work with the finest new technologies. 
Let's get straight into it. Bell Connor United this season, their coach is Michael Zukoski. Their 2021 position uh, finish was fifth place and their points and win-loss record was six wins, five draws, six losses, and points was 23 points. Now, Belconnor United last season, they started pretty well, and then they had this big patch in the middle where they didn't do so well. They didn't win a match in a certain amount of games, but then they finished quite strongly, actually, and they were only like something like two points off the top four before lockdown came into effect. So Fab Michelli's side was starting to get back into the rhythm there. Uh, there's been a decent amount of changes at the club, like Russ is going to mention soon. But the main one is Fab Michelli is has left. He has joined the youth coaching ranks at Western Sydney Wanderers. So once again, best of luck, Fab, there. And Michael Zukoski comes in, who last season was, of course, uh, in charge of the Belconnen women's side, the MPLW side there. Uh, this is his first uh, men's uh, first grade job in Canberra, at least. So it's going to be interesting to see how he sort of transitions. But... He's got more uh, experience than people would think at his uh, young age. So it's going to be interesting to see how he gets there. And he has a lot of players that he does know and has worked in the past as well. Uh, but they've lost a few, a few key players like Michael Piccolo, uh, Jordan Thurtell in goals, both McCaws, Luca Flores, just to mention a few. They brought in the likes of Alex Connell, Chris Ray, John O'Turek. So Russ, I'll let Russ do the main ones there. But for me, it's going to be interesting to see how Belko changes because obviously we're used to a lot of changes in uh, Canberra football, but this is quite a few changes, uh, probably more than a lot of sides. But like I mentioned, a decent amount of the players that Michael has brought in, he has worked with, with before that will, I would say help him uh, in the long run. And not a lot of people have been talking about Belco in terms of big things this season. I'm sure Michael uh, will uh, want to prove that wrong, but that's probably how they'd like it uh, for people to sort of um, write them off. So it's going to be interesting to see how they go. Uh, but a lot of people haven't been talking about Belco in terms of pushing for that top four. Russ, what are your thoughts on Belco this season? And uh, if you want to give us the ins and outs, that would be greatly appreciated. Except there seems to be a lot there. There's so, a lot. So I won't so go just, through them all because uh, sure. we'll, we'll put up a post at some stage with all these <laughs> on so uh, everyone can have a look at them. But yeah, uh, Michael Zakoska, as you mentioned, coming in. And you, you mentioned that the key point there is that he's bringing in people that he knows. And when you're a new coach, it's always good to bring in people you know so you can get your philosophy off and running and to be honest he's got a couple of the young boys over from Canberra Olympic there's been a lot of swapping and uh, toing and fran between those two clubs quite interested in the signing of Luke Valoni from Adamstown Rosebuds um, as a striker he looks he, he looks very sharp in pre-season um, Juan Ospina has come across from West Canberra Wanderers as well the uh, Colombian striker so their strike force has had a little bit of a, of a change around um, Jonathan Kersberg that we saw from Canberra Olympic um, in midfield a bit last season has joined the team and of course, Nick Zakoski's back out of um, a sabbatical as well. So that's a few. You mentioned that the, probably the key one, Jordan Fertel out, Alex Connell in from Canberra Olympic. Now, Alex Connell was at Belconnen United many, many years ago before he went to Melbourne. Um, good goalkeeper. You're losing a quality one. You're replacing him with something decent. Uh, you mentioned some of the outs um, there, the McCaws. They've lost Max Melick as well. Darren Bailey, Taylor Beaton as, as well as called time on his career. Um, so they've lost a lot. They've recruited a lot. It, from what you could tell from preseason, the results, they've had a few results go their way. They had a good 4-3 win on the weekend over the Knights. Um, they've beaten White Eagles 2-0, uh, but they lost a couple of interstate games as well. But we often say this in preseason, you can't really tell what's going on. For Michaels, I think it's key that they get off up and running um, early. They need some points on the board. He's got to get that new those new boys into gel and become a cohesive unit. And if he can do that, they'll, they'll be there or thereabouts pushing for it. But it's going to be a tough one for him. First, first great gig yeah, in senior men's level. And 
I'm sure the uh, pressure will start to mount if the results don't go his way. But you know what Michael's like. He's a very enthusiastic coach, um, brings a lot of quality to the table. So we wish him all the best. We certainly do. Uh, Michael, who do we have next up? Yeah, next up, we've got Canberra, uh, Croatia, uh, with Dean Ugrinic uh, at, the, at the helm again. They finished second in 2021, and their record last season was 11 victories, no draws, and six losses uh, for 33 points. Uh, and they were obviously last year's Charity Shield winners as well. So, I mean, they, they started the season, uh, the 2021 season, very well last year, including two victories against uh, Tigers. However, they lost uh, their last encounter uh, versus, uh, you know, against the, uh, the eventual winners there. They probably wouldn't have been happy with, you know, some of the results which led them to dropping behind uh, Tigers. We, we saw Tigers really extend uh, their lead at the top of the table uh, throughout the season last year when Canberra Croatia suffered that little bit of dip in form. But in saying that, uh, by the time finals would have came around, uh, you can never count Canberra Croatia out. They've, they've got so much experience when it comes to finals football. And I think their trophy cabinet speaks for itself. So we know what we would have expected at, at that time of the, of the year. But unfortunately, uh, like we mentioned at the top, we just didn't get to see that because um, of COVID. But, you know, there, there doesn't seem to be a whole lot of change at, at Canberra Croatia this season. Um you know, they're, they're, they're a team, like I mentioned, that you, that you can't count out at any stage uh, of, of a season. And no one's really talked about them too much. I kind of feel as though that they've been flying a little bit under the radar uh, this preseason. There's not been a lot of news sort of in and around the club. And nothing really is sort of substantial that's sort of circulating anywhere. So, I mean, they're sort of just really going about their business. They're preparing for yet another season we know what kind of quality that that they've got in that squad and we can always expect them to do well uh russ can you give us uh, the the ins and outs for canberra croatia uh this preseason and, and your thoughts on them overall like i mentioned maybe they've been flying under the the radar a little bit but what are your thoughts on that yeah keeping their cards very close to the chest most of the time in terms of their signings as well they're six in seven outs i mean they've lost like to daniel Cobertado, thomas james Kalfas and Kishler, of course, we'll talk about later when we talk about the Panthers. Nikola Tineski has gone back to Sydney and uh, Dr. Matthew Waters, as he is now, because he got his doctorate on board. Uh, he's gone down to Melbourne to, to do uh, to work down there. But they brought in some big names as well and some names that we're obviously familiar with on the football scene here in Canberra. Stephen Dominici, perhaps the biggest of them from Monero Panthers. They've been toying around signing him for a number of years now. They've got him on board. Michael Piccolo, um, you mentioned, but gone from Belconnen across there. Cassidy Tando, another Belconnen player that's joined them in defence. Christian Tonoski, um, uh, who was a Canberra Olympic uh, for a couple of seasons ago and prior to that for many years, he's going to bring some quality to their midfield. And they've signed Tibor Kamara from Green Gully. Now, Tibor Kamara was a prodigy back in the day. I've seen him play a little bit in pre-season and he's getting himself into shape and he's going to be a good acquisition for them, to be honest. And um, Marco Gaia has come from Tuggerong United and, and slotted into the left-back role as well from what I saw in pre-season. They've won a couple of games quite convincingly. Um, I went, uh, my father's over from the UK and I took him down to watch South Coast United in the friendly and they gave them a bit of a battering and then they lost to Blacktown City, um, but narrowly in horrendous conditions. So keeping their cards close to their chest, I think the, the players they brought in, adequate replacements at least, if not better than the ones that, that some of them have left. So Dean works like that, uh, you know, he'll bring the players in of decent quality. They've got lots of talents across lots of areas. Really looking forward to seeing Marte Busek step up again this year. Um, 
last year was supposed to be a breakout for him, but because of the curtailed season, we didn't see as much of him as we would have liked. But I think we'll see a lot of him this season. And of course, the quality of people like Luke Pilkington still shines through as well. Matty Gerbisher, um, that goes on and on, doesn't it? And Sam Brown in Nets. So you talk about early season title favourites and even if they had the same squad as last year, you'd say Campbell Croatia will be there or thereabouts. And that's the least that that club expects. And before we move on, I had one question for you in terms of Canberra Croatia. There was a few matches there where uh, Michael mentioned them, but there was some where they really, really got caught on the counter some days. Like would, would, mm. So would you say like some of the people he's brought in as well should uh, would sort of help them uh, in that regard when they do face a, a team? For example, like Olympic, where just on their day, they were uh, just, um, they just, to be fair, they annihilated in that yeah, game. I, I know it was just one game, but there was a few games where they really got caught out. Yeah, I think it's a fair point. I think... Um... Gungal and United was another. Uh, yeah, Gungal, that's one. Yeah. Where they, yeah. they were caught a bit one-paced and a bit flat-footed. Um, and you think you look at the you look at the fact that Ryan Keir sometimes got caught um, without, being able, without being able to trap back. The players they brought in now will complement that, and they shouldn't be um, so open on the break. I think those two results obviously were freaks. Yeah. Um, we we were at the Gungal game. We called that one the week after the Olympic game. And if you watch the Olympic match back, um, if you can track it down on Bar TV or YouTube. That first half, Canberra Croatia could have been three or four up. They went in yeah. at the break, one apiece. And then every time the Olympic got a, a corner or a free kick, they were away. Yeah. And when you've yeah. got people like um, James Crawford and Isosa Heggy, the pace that they've got was just too much to handle. And poor old Sam Brown, I think I watched the replay when I got home that night. He didn't have a save to make. And yet he picked the ball up yeah. the net five times. So there's nothing he could do about it. Yeah. Yeah. It was one of those days. But yeah, it's a valid point. Um, they're not getting any younger uh, Luke Pilkington and Matt Gerbisher and those kind of players. So the, the re the evolution of the team uh, needs to be built around some some more pace. And I think they've brought that in this year. In saying that, though, I don't doubt that Canberra Croatia will be in the top four by the time the season ends because they just have that much quality. Big man to bet against being, uh, not, uh, yeah, not being in the top four. Yeah, you certainly will I'm be. certainly not one of them. Even that, even that <laughs> season where they started really poorly, it was before we started yes, covering yeah. it. And they yep. started really poorly, but they still... Despite the poor start, they still end up in the I think top they four. They lost the first four, didn't they? And, and they're still one of the first yeah. five, and still were in the top four. That, that's another reason why you can't count them out at the end of the day. So let's move on now to Canberra Olympic, which is actually the match that they first play each other: Canberra Olympic and Canberra Croatia. We'll mention that at the end of the show. Uh, their coach this season once again is Robbie Katnak. Twenty twenty one position was seventh place. Twenty twenty one points and win loss record was five wins, three draws, nine losses, eighteen points. Now, Canberra Olympic probably didn't end up in the position that they would have liked. However, they did have a young squad. So this is something we talked about with uh, Robbie whenever I had him on for interviews. He talked about how they were just trying to find that consistency. Because when they turned it on, they really turned it on. And we mentioned that winning against Canberra Croatia. There were other, other victories as well, like against Monaro, for example, at the start of the season. So they really did have some really good moments with the Isosuri Heggy up front. You mentioned Crawford as well. And they did very well in defense in those matches. They have a lot of pace where they can break on the counter. And they've added a lot of depth. And mm -hmm. we talked about the young squad, and that's the way Olympic want to go. And it's fair to say, even with all the um, money that they're spent, per se, it still sort of fits their philosophy of younger players. But they're just probably more well-known players in Canberra that are younger players like Flores and the McCaws and players like that. And it probably really, really helps them in that regard. Like, I can just imagine Flores now just sort of working off with, with at that pace that the already uh, outstanding, outstanding pace have got up front. So Olympics, a team that probably last season, obviously they weren't, wouldn't have been happy with where they finished, but in terms of where they were when they competed well, they really competed well. And, and you could have really picked anyone for anyone on their day could beat anybody. So 
it's going to be really interesting to see where Canberra Olympic end up at the end of this season. So Russ, uh, can you just give us some of uh, some key ins and outs that we didn't mention and uh, your thoughts on Canberra Olympic this season? Yeah, I think this time last year, we sat there and looked at their squad list and thought they might struggle uh, with a yep. lot of the young boys coming through. They'd lost a lot of experience. Um, and then they went out and got 15 points or so from the first four ga- five games and or six matches, and we were left looking rather silly, weren't we? Mm-hmm. Um, in terms of the ins and outs, they've obviously brought in plenty from Belcon. You mentioned Flores, both from McCaws, um, Max Melick. Um, Seamus Carr's come across from West Canberra Wanderers as well. He's a adds a bit more experience to that back line as well. And they've re-signed Mark Shields from Queanbeyan City. So he'll add a little bit more experience yeah. to that young group as well. And his role might be quite interesting to see where he slots into that role in terms of what he brings and what, where Robbie sees him helping those young that young group of well, a, a, um, young group. To molds, you can you can imagine it now with Shields if they're playing three up front with Flores one side and and Isosa the other. All of a sudden, you know Mark's going to flourish in that role with his little passes and his little yeah. putting those boys into gaps. Um, they've lost a couple as you mentioned, but um, I think to be fair, Robbie would look at the ones he's he's lost and he would like they were uh, fringe first team players for him anyway. They didn't play too many matches last year. Um, they, they all played bits and bobs, but um, he would be very happy with his recruitment uh, that he's brought in and. You know, they'll be better than last year, I think, in terms of what they've got now, uh, in terms of their group. And Robbie's had another season under his belt. There's a real philosophy with Canberra Olympic, again, like Canberra Croatia, that they should be making finals. There's, there's pressure on them. But I think Robbie's stood quite firm here. And there's been some talk about them needing to sign some big-name players to, to boost their, their ranks and get them into the top four. But I think Robbie's got his philosophy. He wants his younger group in. And the ones he's brought in, as you mentioned, Matt, uh, really fit into that. Uh, philosophy into into what he's trying to build there. So looking forward to seeing them play this season. Their preseason results have been a bit mixed. Um, I don't think they've had a full squad out on the field yet. They beat Brindabella 5-1, um, but lost 5-1 to Albion Park, drew with the White Eagles and Queanbeyan. And on the week before last, they went down 3-2 to Annie Hawker, but they were six or seven players missing again there as well. So take make of that what you will. Uh, looking forward to seeing them play. I think it's going to be a dynamic team. They'll play fast-paced football. Um, and uh, should be there or thereabouts at the end of the season, I think. Michael, who do we have next up? Well, we've got Gungahlin United, uh, coached by Marcel Munoz again. Uh, they finished third in 2021, and their record was seven wins, five draws, uh, four losses, uh, so 26 points accumulated for them last season. They were a little slow uh, for their liking last season, especially what we've sort of witnessed with Gungahlin over the last couple of years in the form they've been able to produce um you know however they they started to click after the slow start and they ended up actually playing some really good football as we expect we we know the philosophy that Marcel likes to uh put out there on the on the football pitch uh it's one of the most sort of attractive styles in our Canberra football game uh when you weigh up all all the sides in the competition and how they play their football. Gungahlin is definitely up there with one of the better teams uh, in the competition. Lots of additions uh, to this squad uh, that you're going to get into, uh, I'm sure, Russ, but uh, I'll go to name a few. They've got both uh, Haptomeriums returning uh, as they were at uh, Monero last season. Uh, Tom McLaughlin uh, is back as well. Also, he, he was also at Monero last season as well. And, um, you know, they've, they've added those players already with their quality midfield that they possess and they've obviously got the outstanding Bernardo, Bernardo Madrid up top uh, to find the back of the net whenever they need. Uh, he's been such a presence up front uh, for that football club and 
has a great eye for goal. Um, so, I, I mean, when you look at this Gungahlin United squad, I think they've always had a pretty good balance between youth and experience. And I think their squad this season highlights that again. And I, I expect them to do uh, very well, uh, you know, even pushing for that title. So, I mean, there's going to be obviously a lot of teams pushing for, you know, not only the top four, but there'll be those sides that are sort of bro- breaking away, uh, considering themselves, you know, title contenders. And I think Gungahlin going to be uh, one of those teams, uh, especially if they can just build a strong, if, sorry, if they can build strong form throughout the season and show a good amount of consistency throughout the year, I think they'll just be very hard to stop. They've got the talent to beat anyone in the competition and uh, I expect them to do very well. Russ, uh, the ins and outs. Sorry. Sorry, I was just going to say the, the ins and outs for Gungahlin United uh, this season. And how well do you think they'll go uh, this season around? Obviously, third place finish in the shortened season. Last year, they've obviously brought back some players that they're familiar with and certainly that Marcel's uh, familiar with as well. Yeah, Marcel built that squad, didn't he, a couple of years back and, and we had a really short season because of COVID and um, they were really hoping to get to the FFA Cup that year and, and, and mm-hmm. I mean, with that squad, he's got them back, the, the trio that you mentioned there as well. Um, and Felipe Bernardo Madrid, which you mentioned, who, who is a key attacking for them. Actually, funny enough, I was looking at um, Dribble on the weekend to get the scoreline from the Woden Valley Majura. FFA Cup tie, Australia Cup tie. We'll get there one day. I will get there. Um, and uh, it, it said 3 2 to Woden Valley, and the winning goal scorer was the uh, winning goal was scored by Felipe Bernardo Madrid. So something's gone wrong there, I think, unless he's had a sneaky transfer to Woden Valley Soccer Club in the offseason that we don't know about. I did ask him. If, if um, anything, it would be to Madrid because he's the uh, technical director. Yeah, he's the he was, he was sending texts from the game to give me updates for the for the broadcast that we had. So I was like, that's a very talented man being able to text us and then score against his own team that he's technical director of. So <laughs> well done there, Felipe. Um, big big loss for um, Gungala and Josh Laguda um, has headed up to Northern Territory. I think he's got a job in the police force or something now. And, and so, yeah, congrats to him. But they've lost congrats. him in, in goal and he's a big presence that they've got. Son James Christus from Canberra Olympics, a good opportunity for him to step up into that role. Um, looking as well, Roy Anderson's gone to South Melbourne. He was terrific last season, I thought, for, yeah. for them. So bringing back the Habitamans and McLaughlin does help cover that. That role and Tommy Kirklich, of course, um, the son for Tigers. Uh, we saw him in action um, on the weekend. So Marcel, we know he loves his his, his three five two. He loves to play with the three at the back. The biggest um, plus for Marcel is a fit Jack Green. I mean, he missed a lot last season, didn't he, with that injury? Uh, saw him pre-season. He, in the first run out, he had him was puffing a bit, obviously, because he's not been around for a while. But a fit firing Jack Green makes all the difference to Gungahlin United. We've said it before. Um, but it's worth saying again, if he's on his game, they're a different side. He leads by example. He brings uh, everybody else into play. He's got great distribution and he's a threat of set pieces. So keeping him wrapped in cotton wool um, and getting him fit and on the field is, is key for them. Pre-season results for them, of course, they have buckets of goals. They always yeah. do. Um, they love scoring goals. They've got plenty of talent to do so. Michael John, Mishko, Namoski, Felipe, you mentioned it. Even without Felipe on the weekend, they won 6-3 against the, against the White Eagles in an entertaining friendly. Uh, so it'd be interesting to see them go. Um, you mentioned, Michael, that they're probably going to be there or thereabouts. They were last year um, mm-hmm. and they probably will be again. They're one of those sides that will definitely be looking for the top four, if not higher. And Gungalan is, you mentioned it there, and I think uh, yeah, Laguda is a big loss, but I did think Chris has played very well whenever he played for Olympic last oh, yeah, season. He made some absolutely fantastic saves. Yep. I would say for me, the highlight is probably of what Gungalan are building in that midfield at the moment. And it was... 
because uh, they, when I had a chat to Chris Kajani, he mentioned how uh, they had to rebuild the team last season. It, it was a bit, they had a bit of a slow start. But when they clicked, they really clicked. Um, but now they've sort of brought back the players that sort of left. Do you think they'll, when, when it starts competitive, it'll actually take a bit of time for them to get back into the sort of the team they had? Or do you reckon it'll just be seamless? Well, as much as Jack Green plays a big part yeah. in the way that that works, so does Nick Rathjen. Um, yeah. He allows those in front of him to play. He plays that six role where he yeah. just um, wanders about in front of the back four, distributes the ball, wins the ball for them. And he's a key component of that setup. Um, if he can play in that role um, and they push Tom McLaughlin further forward and Jeremy Hampton further forward and release those front three, then they can cause problems to everybody. But they need him to stay fit as well. I think when he doesn't play there, they, they struggle a little bit in terms of defensive. You've seen it open up a bit. There was a couple of games season before last where they were caught on the break with those um, three at the back. And, and I think Marcel will have a plan B up his sleeve this year about how he wants to go to a back four when necessary as well and keeping his players fit and on the park. Yep. Gangalan is, yeah, I'll, I'll be yeah, I'll be shocked if uh, Gangalan aren't fighting for that top four, considering all the uh, the the quality they've added. They're going to be a real quality side this year, especially that midfield. I'll, it'll be interesting to see if anyone can dominate them in midfield this season. Yeah. Moving on next, we have Monaro Panthers, obviously after that fantastic uh, victory in the Charity Shield. Their coach, once again, is Frank Kasher in his second year at the club, uh, in terms of first grade anyway. 2021 position was fourth place. 2021 points and win-loss record was seven wins, four draws, six losses, 25 points overall. 2021 FFA Cup qualifying final runners-up, uh, two Tigers and 2022 Charity Shield winners, of course. Now, Monaro are a team... That, that was beginning to hit their peak. Uh, we've mentioned this a bit, but they, they, they were one of the teams that started uh, slowly and there was a lot of question marks uh, naturally considering how many players they brought in. And uh, Frank will probably be the first one to tell you when they bring in someone like Frank, he's expected to hit the ground running immediately. And uh, they, they did hit the ground running and they ended up fourth before um, the lockdown, but they really were starting to hit their stride. Um, Andy Bernal is also in now to help uh, as, as a part of the coaching staff there in the first grade setup. Uh, we've mentioned it before on the show, plenty of knowledge and experience he brings there. Bit of a new look side with some key players leaving, such as Sam Ross Barkin. And I mentioned, I, I, I sung his praises a lot last season. I thought Sam Ross Barkin is part of what made that team click uh, when they started to get in the rhythm. He was playing at fullback originally, then him in midfield, breaking up play, starting play. Uh, he, he did all, all the dirty work that was necessary for Monaro. And you mentioned a few of the players there in your charity shield review uh, that will be replaced him. So that's good for them because if they didn't replace Sam, I think he would have been, uh, that would have been a key spot that they would have needed to replace. But it seems like they've done it. You mentioned Andre, uh, Andre Carl coming in. He's done a fantastic job. Kistra and Kalfas, which mentioned their quality before. Uh, plenty of times in the past and DeFranceschi is another one. Russell mentioned the rest. Like we mentioned, very, very impressive display and I think Bernal mentioned it in only the way he can very bluntly that if uh, that he believes that Monaro will be a top four side at the very least this season and after that performance uh, it'll be tough to stop them but like uh, you guys both mentioned, it's they're going to have a target on their back now after that victory so it's going to be really interesting to see how everyone sort of uh, shapes up against Monaro. Um, yeah, and after that statement victory, they're going to be trying to... Uh, they might sort of play it down in when they talk to everyone else, but they'll be pushing for that title. Now, Russ, uh, what are the uh, more ins and outs, and what do you think about Monaro uh, this preseason? Well, it's funny because um, 
the pressure's going to come from people like us talking about yeah. them and pushing them up. <laughs> not just us, trust me. It's everyone yeah, that will be talking else, Frank yeah. knows what it's like. Yeah, exactly. And, and this goes back to what we talked about with Michael Zorkowski. When you come in as a new coach, you want to bring in players that are going to build, buy into your yeah. philosophy, into the way you want to play the game. Frank started that last year. Obviously, the second part of his process is this year, and he's got a group of players now that he's brought in that he feels that will buy into that. You look at his back four now with Wilson, um, James Wilson at full back. Then David Jenkins is now part of Adam DeFranceschi, two proper centre-backs with solid defensive now. And then left-back, you either go Josh Calabria or Darren Bailey. Now Bailey could move further forward. So he's got players that can play in different positions. He's got a solid defensive unit. Jordan Thurtell comes in to replace Evan Alexander and Ridley. Um, so that's no, they haven't lost anything in the goalkeeper department. And you mentioned the players going forward. You mentioned Kalfas and Kishta. Um, Jay Seldon's another one. He came off the bench on the weekend. You would have seen his goal, the sixth one, beautifully taken. Fantastic. They've yep. got to come off the bench as well. They've got depth that perhaps they didn't have last year now. And I was massively impressed with um, young Zach McLaren. I mentioned from Wollongong. He came on and, and helped um, possibly made Ben Bassasilk a better player who I thought was was possibly man of the match on the weekend um, for Monero Panthers. And then, of course, you get further up the park and you've got your man, Andre Carl, who, who just can't stop scoring. And it's great for a, for a club to have a player that can put the ball in the back of the net when you're creating half chances. And he'll be disappointed he didn't get the fourth. Um, but it's, it's, it's a team now that's built to push towards the title. It's a team that's built to push towards winning the Australia Cup qualifying round. See, I did it there. there, you go. <laughs> there you go. No time's a charm. <laughs> no time's a charm. Um, it's, it's a team built towards that. And, and they're, they're quite demanding there now um, of Frankie. So he's aware of that. And the group he's brought, it, brought in, he needs to, to make them tick. And he's got selection headaches. And, of course, you've got people like Kofi Danning we haven't mentioned. There's a young, yeah. young lad called Carl Senior that they brought in from Wollongong as well that we haven't seen much of yet, but they've got high hopes for. So you look at those people. Adam New is another one. Um, how does he fit them all in? How does he keep them all happy? Long season injuries play a part, of course. COVID as well. We haven't mentioned that yet. Yeah, yeah. we haven't. We're trying not to, man. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> We're trying to keep it keep it positive. Yeah. Um, but yeah, yeah. It's, it's difficult, isn't it, for, for, for him now to, to sit down and go, well, let's say the first round was next week, which luckily for them it isn't. How does he change that team? Does he bring those boys in? Does he go with the 11 he's got? Um, luckily, we don't have to make those decisions. Uh, we're not paid to do that, which is great. No. But <laughs> I'll be massively surprised with the group he's brought in and the way they've gelled and the way they're playing football at yeah. the moment if they're not um, close to the four, if not higher, at the end of the season. Yeah, I forgot to yeah. mention Calabria there. He was definitely a player that he, he, he... Not only did he keep them ticking at the back, he ended up getting them back into a lot of games oh, last season. Yeah. And Bassasil, like you mentioned, I thought he was, yeah, well, probably one of Monaro's most underrated players last season. He thought he did a very good job. And like you mentioned, if he's even, if he has, if he's freed up even more um, than what Sam made him last season, he's going to be another threat in that regard. Yeah, and, for, and for, for the risk of sounding like a broken record, we've said this many times on this show before, you don't win championships with 1-11. Yep. Not in this league. You need to have a decent bench from 12 through to 17, if not 18, 19. So when those inevitable mm -hmm. injuries and suspensions come in, you've got real quality to bring into your first grade squad. And, and when you build a squad like that, obviously it comes with the, the added um, problems of juggling people and making them happy and keeping them till that June transfer window and hoping you can ride out that storm if they're not playing many minutes. Uh, many, many questions, of course, but I think they've got a squad to challenge. I have just been very impressed with the sort of progression and development that the club has made over the last two years because previous to that they obviously had been struggling for a long time in the in the competition uh not getting anywhere near the the top four final spots and obviously there was a lot of conversations around 
you know, where they were going and if they were ever going to sort of turn things around. And I think Frank obviously has a massive part to play in like the change that they've, that they've had over the last couple of years. And I think you mentioned it last season that they sort of struggled. And I think that was a little bit expected given the number of players that Frank had uh, brought in uh, to into the club uh, and into his squad. And we sort of started to really see how good Monaro uh, can be uh, as the season progressed. And I think this season will be a massive uh, season for them in terms of looking to secure top four again and possibly, you know, going for a title as well when, you know, before two years ago, this wouldn't have even been a conversation. So I've just been very impressed with how they've been able to build the squad over the last couple of years. I think Frank's made a massive difference and, you know, they play great football too. They played great football in the charity shield, like I mentioned at the top of the show. And I'm expecting big things from uh, Monero. Uh, but moving on now uh, to the newly promoted O'Connor Knights. So we've got some, some fresh meat, as they say in the, uh, in the MPL, uh, a new club uh, that will be competing in MPL this season uh, with coach Miro Trunic uh, at the helm. They obviously won what was called MPL2 last season, uh, finishing first place in 2021. And their overall record was very impressive, uh, even though the season was cut short. Like we've mentioned, uh, they managed 13 wins, two draws and, and one loss. I mean, they, they were excellent last season. They were insanely uh, consistent and just a step above you know, a large majority of those teams in in uh, CPL, uh, as it's called now. But they're going to, you know, they're, they're making that step up now in competition, having been promoted. And we're going to really see what they're made of. You know, um, it's their first time that they're returning to the top flight in Canberra football uh, in, in 13 years. So that's just a monumental achievement for the club to get back where they feel they, they belong. And now they're here and you can expect them to make a lot of noise, I think, this season, O'Connor, being the new boys on the on the block again. Um, Trinich has a lot of coaching uh, experience in the top flight uh, here in Canberra, you know, uh, coaching Canberra, Croatia and uh, Tuggeranong United, just to mention a few. They wasted no time adding depth and more players to their rank. Uh, Moses Garang, uh, Edward Coggan and Regan Walsh, just to name a few reinforcements that have come into that squad. And it'll be very interesting to see how they perform uh, given that they're the promoted team in Canberra uh, for a while obviously uh, we haven't had promotion relegation uh, for, for a very long time in Canberra so I think for all parties involved you know the club fans and the competition in general it's going to be very interesting to see how they go um, and I, I'm expecting uh, some fireworks uh, from them for, for sure. I think it's going to be, you know, obviously when they come up against uh, Canberra, Croatia, just to name one match in particular, I think that's going to be great. Uh, Russ, do you mind just going through some of the ins and outs uh, concerning O'Connor Knights and what, what are your expectations for the first promoted club into MPL uh, for the first time in a while, like I mentioned, uh, what are our, what are your, sorry, your expectations for O'Connor Knights this season? You mentioned fireworks, Mark. Are you talking literally or metaphorically? Because Probably both. they don't mind a bit of pyro, <laughs> do they? <laughs> yeah. I'm really looking forward, to be honest. Look, I mean, that, that stands out for me straight away. O'Connor Knights versus Canberra, Croatia. Yep. Two Croatian clubs in, in, yep. in, the, in the capital going toe-to-toe. 
um, at Deakin Stadium. And O'Connor, you can guarantee there's going to be a really big turnout on that day. There's going to be noise. There's going to be colour. Um, we haven't sorted the roster out for what games we're going to be covering on Bar TV or Bar TV, not Bar TV, NPL TV, I should say now. Um, but I can almost guarantee those two are going to be um, at I'll the be top very of the list. Yeah. Very uh, just because so. it's not only going to be something that's going to attract the crowd locally. I think, um, you know, all over Australia, when two Croatian clubs meet, there's always a big um, rivalry. There's people watching and even overseas as well. So that's a, just a side point, but I'm really looking forward to those two. In terms of what we can expect from them, well, they've brought in a lot of players. I mean, you mentioned a few of them there. They've got Gabriel and Jacob Ayul coming from White Eagles as well. They've, they've brought in some decent young um, talent in Connor Minot Smith um, and Ryan Zanata and Severance as well from, the, mm. from under 23s. Michael Adams is a great signing for them um, from Queen Bean City. I think he brings a lot of quality and playmaking ability into that group. Andrew Slavich has come across from Tugranong with, uh, as you mentioned, Walsh and um, Eddie Coggan. And uh, Nikola Barisic is back from a sabbatical. Um, so he adds more depth to that squad as well. Massive turnover yep. of players. Um, I've seen them in pre-season. They've, they've been in and out, as you'd expect, from a side that's, that's blooding a lot of players. They ran with a really big squad for quite a long time and before they cut a fair few players um, only towards the end of January. And obviously that is going to affect the way you prepare. And, and I think they're looking to run with a, quite a deep squad this year because they know with the group of players that they've got, that perhaps they're not quite up to speed in terms of fitness for NPL1 yet, um, but they'll make sure that they are by the start of the season. They'll bring passion and they'll bring, they'll bring a lot of... A lot of um, a lot of nous in that group with the coaching group with Miro and Alex, as you spoke about as well before. Um, looking forward to it. I mean, obviously, a promoted club, you, you automatically think, well, have they got enough to stay in this division? Um, the, with the players they brought in, it's almost impossible to say now, isn't it? Because yep. the group that got promoted, um, they're not all there. Uh, yep. But the, the key ones are like Paddy O'Rourke. Um, I know Tigers flirted with him for a bit pre-season. Uh, he, I think, is now committed to this group. Um, Nico Kresic, they've got so many forward options, it's not funny. Um, and then you've got the experience of people like Martin Sigmund at the back as well. So going to be interesting to see how they go. I'm thinking as per West Canberra Wanderers last season and as per Canberra Olympic, they need to get off to a good start to give them the points on the board because quite a lot of it is mental um, at this stage. Psychologically, can they compete with Premier League sides? Um, they'll believe they can. Pre-season has suggested they're not far away. Uh, they'll be a good watch. And Miro is a coach that has been there, done that before. He mm-hmm. obviously not only has he coached O'Connor before, he's coached the likes of Tuggeranong, and that's where half these players come in. So there's a bit of familiarity there. And of course, Canberra Croatia as well, not to mention many mm-hmm. other clubs. So he, he'll know what it takes to try and get this group there. Uh, not just that, I think from a Canberra point of view, it's not only do O'Connor, obviously they, they were the first team to come up, so they want to also stay up. Uh, and Alex, uh, Alex Tiranich in our preseason interview mentioned that as well. He's like, we don't want to be the team to come up and then go straight back down. But also, I think for Canberra, if, if, if O'Connor can show, have a really good showing uh, this season, that only does well for the whole promotion relegation argue, um, argument. They, they are one of many clubs I feel that were justly, um, sorry, uh, unjustly, sorry, taken out of the competition 13 years ago um, to make way for a new format. So they're going to prove that they belong. And we mentioned on the podcast quite a few times last season, we've been covering MPL 2 slash CPL for a while and clubs like O'Connor, and it would be not right to not mention ANU either since they were t- neck and neck last season. They didn't look out of place when they were FFA Cup squads last, uh, sorry, in the FFA Cup qualifying rounds last season. I remember O'Connor especially taking Monaro to the limit 
in in that match specifically. So uh, they they'll have some they'll have a point to prove, and they have a squad that can do it. And I think they'll uh, surprise a few uh, uh, people this season. Can they do it over the whole season? That's where the question comes in. But they definitely have the um, the hunger to do it, and they definitely have the players as well. So I'm really intrigued to see how they go this season. And if they have a really good showing, that's all the best, especially for the CPL. It will give a lot of hope for the CPL clubs that want to push forward this season. You talk to the Knights, you talk to Miro, you talk to Alex. They actually believe that they shouldn't be replacing a team like Tuggeron United. They should be joining them alongside people like White yeah. Eagles and ANU in an expanded Premier Division with, with 14 teams in it. Um, uh, was that 14? Is that right? No, 12 teams. In 12, it, teams 12 teams. Uh, so, and, you know, 20, 22 matches or whatever it might be. And, and, and we all look at that and go, that would be superb, you know? Yeah. And, and those teams have got uh, the fan bases and the support to actually support a Premier League side. So, yeah, I mean, I'm looking forward to seeing them play this season and, and uh, they should be uh, good, to, uh, good to see. And you mentioned that uh, the wanted expanded format if O'Connor do really well, then that would, in my yeah, opinion, yeah, that yeah, would, it would be yeah. a tick for the box. A tick for that it. box. I think the only difference between these sides when you watch them play in the FA Cup is they get to about 60, 65 minutes and they run out of steam against the NPL1 teams, mainly because the NPL1 teams train uh, more often, so they're fitter. And that tends to be the difference. We saw it a lot of times in FA Cup games. I'm sure when we get to the fourth round and, and the big boys come in, um, in a couple of weeks, that will happen again. And they're also very de- defensively astute last season, um, specifically. So it's going to be interesting, interesting to see whether they can keep that defensive solidity in MPL one. So um, it's going to be interesting to see how O'Connor Knights go in that regard. Next up, we have the reigning champions, Tigers FC, and I've lost my notes. You know, we've written them off already, haven't we? Right. Right. <laughs> Ryan's watching this now. No chance now, mate. <laughs> no. So, right. You mentioned there, Ryan Grogan is the coach this season. 2021 position was first place. Like we mentioned, 2021 points and win-loss record. 11 wins, three draws, two, two losses, 36 point, points overall. FFA Cup qualifying final winners, of course, and FFA Cup round, a 32 match against RPL Leichhardt, where they fought. Um, they fought, they definitely fought, that's for sure, having two players sent off and Jacob Cole with that amazing performance. I mean, the fact that everyone shared it from the A-League pages to everyone else on social media shows yeah. that. Uh, it was in a very, very impressive season overall. When I talked to a few of the coaches, they all said, look, Tigers were the standout. They were the standard over that season. Not only did they win the FA Cup qualifying, but they also finished on top and they played some great football. Uh, they showed their pace on the counter. They were very, very lethal in that regard. So they'll be looking to build on that. And you mentioned the, we've all mentioned the uh, the Charity Shield. They're, they're, if, if anything, it's just going to be a, a fire under their bellies to prove that that was just a one-off for them in that regard. Uh, worth, uh, noteworthy thing to take away from the interview I did with uh, Ryan, which was up a couple of days ago. Uh, the AIS will be the home ground this season. I mean, if you only watched last season, you hadn't watched previously, you would think, oh, mate, the AIS was the home ground last season, considering how many matches due to COVID were, um, and due to weather as well, were rescheduled for midweek at AIS. So um, I know they're historically based in Kuma, but at the end of the day, Ryan said that due to a lot of the COVID issues, it was just easier to uh, organize for AIS. So it'll be an easy transition for them in that regard. But... I guess um, Seoul based, they are still based in Kuma in that regard. I know they don't have the name, but that is where their origins come from. So, Russ, what uh, uh, 
Keeper has mentioned a few ins and outs yeah. and what you think about uh, Tigers this season. Well, first thing that springs to mind is we won't be standing on the back of Mick Cleaver's youth <laughs> in the middle of the snow. <laughs> in the middle of the snow, that, that is <laughs> yeah. true. Freezing in, pre, in, in commentary. But yeah, so that's an interesting um, aside for them. Um, at the top of the broadcast, I mentioned defensive woes that they had. I forgot to mention that Lassie Ulrich has come in from an yeah. Panthers, didn't play on the weekend, was suspended, I think. So um, he will be back and he will make a difference to that defensive side. They've not brought many players in. They brought him in, Tommy Kirkridge, signed full-time, as we mentioned as well. It's a bit like, um, and Michael appreciate this, it's a bit like back in the day when 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 Manchester United used no, to win the league. And, 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 and Jurgen Klopp the same at Liverpool. You, you don't yeah. change a championship team yeah. too much. You just look exactly. at areas where you can improve and you add little things here and there. And, and that's what Ryan's done. He's looked at his team. He's lost Lockie Griffiths of course uh, mainstay defensively so he's brought Lassie Ulrich, Ulrich in to replace him he lost Jay Kelly out wide so he's brought in um, Tommy Kirkridge to replace him so he's trying to replace those players and, and they'll play with a similar kind of style last year big loss to them just this past week of course Christian Junner um, heading back to Brindabella Blues to play with his father Ray we saw him in um, Australia Cup action yesterday very recent um, yeah. and uh, on, it was yesterday so many games so yeah it was yesterday um, so having him um, losing him as well gives them a, a little bit less at the back but you know they're, they're the Tigers and, and every season we expect them to score lots of goals and they will because they've got so much quality going forward um, they ship a lot as well it's been the same ever since Gabby Walk was there as well they, they're they a very good team to watch aren't they because they, they're just as likely to score four or five as they are to concede three or four um, and that's why we love watching them because they play with that with that attacking mindset and Ryan's got that ingrained into them and we saw it last season Um not to say that they can't shut up shop and defend when they need to. They did last year, didn't they? That game you mentioned earlier, Michael, on the AS Synthetic when they won 2-0 against Canberra, Croatia, which effectively, um, in the end, sealed the title for them. Um, is, the depth, is the depth of the squad strong enough, like we spoke earlier? Uh, you looked at the bench on the weekend, lots of young talent on there. I thought a couple of the boys that came on did really well. Uh, so depending on how they transition into MPL one will depend on how Tigers go. But they are the champions for a reason. Uh, they finished top of the par. They've won the last two Australia Cup qualifying rounds back-to-back. First team to, to do that in our, in our region as well. So they're there to be shot at, and they were shot at on the weekend, but they'll come back, they'll lick those wounds, um, check what went wrong, and, and, and probably put it down to a freak display and, and hope it doesn't happen again, which I'll be very surprised if it did. Um, Ryan will certainly tighten that up. That'll be the first ones to tell you that uh, that Griffiths losing them in defence is a is is a big blow for them. So how how do you think they're going to sort of? I know Alas is coming in, but he is a different type yeah, of defender. Yeah. He's a different type of defender. So how do you think they're going to sort of um, replace him in that regard? Do you think there's just going to be a little more link up play between the midfield, or do you think they they might just sacrifice a few more goals, but sort of? get that link going to push forward. Well, we saw on the weekend, the return of Daniel Sparrow yeah. um, will make a difference. When Daniel Sparrow was about 60% fit, I think, on the weekend. He's been out for a long, long, long time now after he bust an ankle, I think, in a game that we did um, at Melrose for Canberra Olympic, clearing the ball of the goal line. And he's been out for a, over a year and a bit now. So having him back in the team, of course, it was his first run on the weekend. He got through about 65 minutes or so. Um, you know, he's not fit, but when Daniel Sparrow is fit... He's a different entity and he will help that defensive solidity. He can pass the ball as well. And that should free up um, to Anthony Timotheu to play, play a bit more prominent yeah. role further forward. Last year, he had to play a bit more defensively and sit in front of that back four and spray some balls around. So Sparrow will no doubt do that. Lasse comes in, as you said, different kind of defender to Lockie Griffiths. Um, still a decent ball player, maybe not as composed in possession as Lockie is because 
like he loved to bring the ball out of defence. But I think Lasse brings a bit more physicality to that back four. Um, good height, uh, good threat from a set piece as well. So it's going to be diff- different to see them play. I think they'll play slightly different if Sparrow is playing because it enables them to be a bit more, uh, flood a few more players forward because he will offer that defensive solidity, much like Rathjen does at Gungahlin United. In terms of their attack, you know, when you've got quality players of the likes of Popovich and Stricker and Josh Galevsky, you, you might put them in a pattern, but basically you're, you're asking them to go out there and play what they see because they're good enough to do so and they're good enough to score plenty of goals. So, yeah, look, it, it's if, if, like, if anything, if anyone's looking at that charity shield and say, oh, I'm not sure about Tigers this season, like I said, if anything, I think it'll just shore the fire up in their belly to prove yeah, them wrong. It's pre season at the end of the day, as much as it's a trophy on the line. You know, there's a trophy on the line and yeah. and silverware is on the line. I don't think either club are looking at that going, that's defining our season. Um, because if they are, then they're probably in for a rude shock in about three weeks. Yeah, lastly, we have West Canberra Wanderers, uh, who finished sixth uh, last season in 2021. And they're coaches for this season. So coaches. Uh, they've got Dom English and George Ekambopoulos uh, at the helm uh, this season for it. It's a, it's a tongue it's a tongue twister, man. They, these these Greek surnames. Uh, it's the man who said they're a nightmare. <laughs> yeah, that's right. So my apologies if I pronounced that wrong, but I I promise I gave it my best shot. Um, West Canberra uh, they defied most uh, people's expectations last year. You know, uh, former coach uh, Ulysses De Silva had them winning some big matches uh, last season, and he really got the best out uh, of his group. Um, you know, we, we call him the best dressed coach in Canberra for a reason. And, um, you know, his, his departure, uh, obviously now uh, to the Gold Coast, uh, safe travels uh, to, to him and, and a huge loss for West Canberra as a, as, as a club, uh, most definitely considering how well he did. But, you know, they're in good hands now with their two uh, co-coaches uh, now that are ready to take over the squad and look to build on that uh, for this 2022 season. So, you know, they've had a decent amount of changes. You know, they've lost some of their of their veteran players, uh, like the to the likes of Monero, like we mentioned earlier. Uh, De Franceschi, uh, obviously at Monaro, and uh, Jay Seldon at Monaro as well. So two big losses uh, for them. Uh, one, obviously, in defence with De Franceschi, and the other um, up front in the attacking areas in Jay Seldon. So, you know, they, they've seemed to have brought in some uh, standout young players, uh, such as... You know, uh, uh, Bo Harvey uh, from Monero, who who killed it in the 23s last year. He was he was excellent in the 23s. Uh, for anyone that was paying close attention to 23s football last year, he was he was great. So with a younger squad, you know, it, it'll be very interesting to see how they how they perform this season. So sort of similar to Bill Conan uh, in terms of no one seems to be looking at West Canberra or they or these two clubs to expect you know big things and maybe win a title uh, this season, but they'll look to defy expectations for sure. uh, Similar to last season, because like I did say, uh, West Canberra managed to put up some very good performances last season, albeit they did struggle for the majority of the year, especially when they had that sort of long bit of, uh, well, that long run of form where they were able, not able to sort of get themselves out of a rut, but there were performances last year where they were fantastic under Yulsis and hopefully they can sort of, piggyback off that and and contend for the top four uh, this season. So we'll, we'll wait and see what happens. But uh, I wouldn't be surprised for West Canberra to produce some similar results as they did last season. Uh, I thought in some of those games against the bigger clubs as well, 
uh, that they, they were excellent. So yeah, for them, uh, it'll just be all about continuing some of that form that they showed in 2021 and bringing that over into 2022 to improve on that sixth place finish. Russ, I mentioned some of the departures uh, for this football club and some additions. Uh, do you mind going through some of the ins and outs for West Canberra? And what are your expectations? Obviously, two coaches that will be taking over the helm uh, this season for West Canberra in 2022. They had some bright sparks last season, but overall just couldn't really put it together in terms of longevity uh, in the shortened season. But what are you expecting um, this time around? Not to mention him in the Monero Panthers preview that we did, but losing Gabe Cole um, is a big loss for them in the middle of the park. He was excellent, actually, in the charity shield as well. Um, so much so that you almost think he's been there for such a long time, Gabe Cole. Um, but he's one mm. of the new arrivals at Monero as well. I'm losing him, you mentioned it, um, Michael, losing all their experience. The people like Aaron Cashman, Seamus Carr, um, Adam DeFranceschi, Mason Interland, the goalkeeper's goal, Michael Mensah, Chris McEwen. Uh, so they've lost all that experience, um, but they've replaced it with young, enthusiastic, hungry players. And that's going to be a benefit for them on the synthetic surface, specifically uh, at Melrose, where they play all their home games. Of course, we've done games there before. And even the, even the top sides have gone there and struggled on that surface. It's a real advantage to them. They brought in people like Jenna Saruti from Tuggeron. He was on the fringes of the Tuggeron first grade. Neat and tidy player, can play as a nine or a 10. James Driscoll, another who was on the fringes of the Monero Panthers last year, has come across. You mentioned Bo Harvey. Um, George Pavizi from Griffith. Uh, he had a couple of runs for the Rhinos back in the day, so he's back in the Premier League. And they've got a couple of young goalkeepers. Jacob Wiseman's come across from Tuggeron United, so he'll add some solidity into that backline. And young Christian Nell from Brindabella Blues um, will be in there to learn a bit also. So it looks like their, their um, acquisitions have all been young players with a purpose to play at pace, at pace on that surface and to take advantage of it. And in pre-season, they've done exceptionally well. I mean, the two matches that they've completed, there was a, a bad injury when they played Coniston and their friendly was abandoned after, after an hour. They beat ANU 2-1 um, and they beat Gungarland United 3-1. So... Looking at that form, um, you know, you, you talked. We talked last season about how we were struggling to see how they were going to put some performance mm. together with that young group, and they made us look silly again by getting uh, a massive amount of points in the opening five or six rounds, which effectively, given their slump towards the end of the season, saved them from relegation. That and the fact that Tuggeron couldn't buy a win, um, and yeah. drew about seven or eight in a row. Uh, but new coaches, new ideas, again, same thing we talked about. I'm really interested to see how the dynamics going to work with George. Econonopolis, and I don't know if I said that right, and Dom English as well. Might being better than my pronunciation. But. <laughs> <laughs> you see how that works, whether whether one of them is doing something or the other one's doing something. We've seen mm. in, in higher levels of football um, how the joint coaches sometimes don't work. These two obviously work together before they know each other very well. So we'll be interested to see how that dynamic works. And But I think we're going to see a, a young and vibrant team um, playing possession football as quickly as they can. And, and I wouldn't be surprised if they score a fair few on the counter. Let's get, uh, let's just quickly mention the first round fixtures. No predictions yet. We'll save that for this first episode because I think we're a bit too far out to do that. Even though, I don't, yeah. if you, if we look at it though, I reckon our, our, our predictions in the first episode last season were probably better than some of our mid season predictions. Who won but last year, by the way? I'll, I'll have to bring that up for next, next episode. Okay, I do have it written down somewhere. I do yeah. have it written down somewhere. Um, I think it's actually pretty balanced, though, in terms of, like, like I might have did better in MPLW. Uh, Michael might have done better in MPL1. 
I think um, I'll have to look that up. I'll bring that out next episode yeah. for when Jeremy comes on for MPLW. But yeah, so we've got West Canberra Wanderers via O'Connor Knights Saturday, April 2nd, 2.15 p.m. at Melrose Synthetic. Melconnor United versus Monaro Panthers Saturday, April 2nd, 3 p.m. at McKellar Park. Tigers FC versus Gungahlin United Saturday, April 2nd at AIS Grassville, AIS Grassville 1. Canberra Olympic versus Canberra Croatia Saturday, April 2nd, 3 p.m. at O'Connor Enclosed. Um, for people who like to see MPL, MPL action on both days, don't worry. Um, there will be probably more Saturday games this season because uh, O'Connor have replaced, obviously, Tuggeranong and Tuggeranong played most of their home games on Sundays. O'Connor will mostly play on Saturdays. But if I'm not mistaken, Gungarland and most of Canberra Croatia's home games will be on Sundays. I know there are a few games that will be on Saturdays, but yeah. we'll probably, even though it was pretty well balanced last year, this year, we'll probably see more Saturday games. Panthers will play with their Saturday evening kickoffs as well. So it won't well, be all the time. No, there's a good, there's a good, there's a good chance of when there are two Saturday, yeah. there are four games on a Saturday. Um, if the Panthers are at home with a later kickoff, we will be able to squeeze in um, uh, some commentary at three o'clock and then at 5.30, 5.45. Or, or even this one. Yeah, or the Wanderers. 2.15 and the Wanderers. The Wanderers kickoff times have changed from quarter past 12 to a more manageable quarter past two. <laughs> I mean, quarter past 12. Especially if you work on Saturday morning, yeah. yeah. You, you never had a bet by then, were you? <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it's, it's no. going to be good. Um, we're looking forward to it. We haven't picked the game yet for the first round, but there's a couple that jump out there, isn't there? There certainly is. Uh, before we uh, leave, Russ, and thank you for coming on. Any last thoughts before we uh, head off? Any plugs or anything like that? Yeah, looking forward to the season, of course. Keep in touch with um, the action that we've got coming up on NPL TV. Of course, we've got um, Bar TV still in, involved bringing us the Australia Cup round four games. We've not picked them up yet. Um, we've got, I think, three matches that we can we can cover in that round. And obviously, if we don't cover your club, um, there are ways and means that we can get sponsors on board to actually make that happen. And um, depending on where this goes out, there's Premier League futsal action on Wednesday um, evening live on uh, all the usual channels as well. It's the Canberra Futsal Premier League, so it's a little bit of a change of pace. And next Wednesday, the 16th, will be the grand final of that also. So Angelo Constantin will join me Wednesday and um, we'll go from there. But thanks for having me on again, lads. Uh, always a pleasure to chat MPL with you and uh, let's hope that we get a full season in and yeah. we're talking about plenty of good stuff this year. And I've also spoken to some of the referees and there's a, there's a real feeling that we can get them, uh, a couple of them on to discuss... Um, what we might decide decisions that we, we were unsure about this season as well. So they're keen to come on and give awesome. their point of view where they, they may be a penalty decision or something that we've not seen or we can't understand why. They can come on and explain to us exactly what we're seeing and hopefully build that rapport up with them and a little bit more understanding of the laws of the game. That sounds awesome. Fantastic. Michael, thanks for coming on. What, what, um, any last thoughts from you? No, I mean, all the sort of 2 p.m., 3 p.m. kickoffs on a Saturday. I mean, that sort of pains me a little bit because I play at one o'clock on a Saturday. So by the time I wrap up, all those games are starting. So I'm definitely hoping to get out to those sort of Saturday evening slash Sunday uh, games uh, this season. So once I do my business on the on the field, I'll be catching all the uh, all the action across uh, the CPL, MPLW, and and MPL this season. So looking forward to it. Yeah, and we'll be back most likely next week with MPL Double, and then we'll be back in with CPL and Chris Webb as always for that one. Awesome. Well, thank you very much for joining me, lads. And that was episode 44, MPL Season Preview. We'll see you next week.